Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and with me as always are Josh Brown and Jake Pavorsky. Today we're going to give you an update on some of the late additions, changes to rosters, and to the extent that we know them, the guys that will be inactive this weekend for the second round of regionals, which are going to take place in Richmond, Virginia, Wichita, Kansas, Salt Lake City, and Syracuse, New York. With me again, Jake Pavorsky. Jake, what's going on? Not too much. My head is in Philadelphia, but my heart is in Wichita. I'm ready for uh, for some more regional action. Josh, how are you today? Doing great, Dan. We're now um, just days away from weekend two. Really going to be a premier weekend, as we talked about uh, on our previous podcast. Four great regions, um, 32 great teams. So just uh, looking forward to it. Okay, guys, let's get rolling right away. Uh, The deadline for adding a player to be your roster for TBT 2019 for the second round of of TBT regionals was Monday night the 22nd of July at midnight, and the players were coming in fast and furious at that point. Um, let's kind of run through some of these teams as we have them. We'll start with uh, one of the regionals that's going to be their first games played, which will be in Salt Lake City. These games are going to start up on Thursday, uh, which is Thursday the 25th, actually. That day's coming up pretty quickly. Got to make sure I check into my flight. Uh, Jake, this, um, this regional really didn't have a ton of changes that took place, but did have a couple of significant additions that happened uh, kind of late in the addition process. Um, the cheaters in particular had a couple of players decide that they, they can't make it or their clubs told them that they had to be out of the country. Uh, so they lost Marcus Williams and Casper Ware. They added in uh, three guys, Cedric Bearfield, Elijah Stewart, and Leon Gibson. In the meantime, the team that they're going to be playing, uh, the Sons of Westwood, had just a massive amount of attrition and was able to add in a few guys to keep themselves uh, in the running out there. But it looks like this now could be a, a matchup that favors a little bit towards the Cheaters. Yeah, I tend to agree. Although the the Cheaters lost two very important players in, in Marcus Williams and Casper Ware, I think they did a very nice job of replacing them. Cedric Bearfield is just graduating from Utah, had a great four-year career there. Uh, I'm a particular fan of, of Elijah Stewart. Um, was an excellent player at, at USC. Saw him at the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament, which is like a pre-draft tournament for college seniors last year. And thought he really played well, could shoot the ball well, super athletic. Uh, I think it helped take up a, a bulk of that scoring load um, that you know has now been um, is now gone with with the losses of Casper as well as Marcus Williams. So I, I think they did a great job of replacing those guys. And Malik Pope from San Diego State is another guy who can score the ball. This team's a lot younger than they were, you know, to start the past couple of weeks. But uh, I like the changes that they've made. I, I think this is a, a fun team still. They'll get up. They'll play with some swaggers. They, you know, that L.A. style of ball. They'll run up and down the court, and, and they'll they'll take a lot of threes. Um, so I, I think this is a team, again, you know, we, we've spoken about depth before. Um, depth will definitely be a factor here where this team is coming with, you know, around 10 or so guys. Uh, Sons of Westwood for Friday and Saturday, if they can make it to Saturday, uh, we'll have six guys. Uh, it sounds as though Shiz Alston, Larry Drew the second, as well as Isaac Hamilton um, will both be out uh, for that weekend. And the Ware twins, uh, Travis and David Ware, will be there on Sunday if the team is to make it. Uh, they added Ernest Flackby from Temple uh, and Matt Shaw from New NLV to help solidify their, their front court. Uh, but it's, it's going to be tough to, to overcome the loss of, losses of those players, um, given how, how talented and how important those guys were to the team, uh, as well as you know, spend three days playing with six guys. Yeah, it's going to be a, a tough challenge. But we did see teams with six guys advance uh, to round three. But again, that was in, that was in um, Memphis, where you know, six guys was almost the norm. Uh, these teams out there in 
uh, Salt Lake City are going to be loaded. Everline Drive had a late ad of Orlando Johnson, a shooting guard with NBA experience. He's going to be a very good addition for them. Challenge ALS added Darnell Martin Jr., which looks like a really great addition uh, that they have. Team Fredette always adds a whole bunch of guys. Devontae Pollard, Kenneth Horton, uh, Tyler Hawes was a late ad, Sean Finn, and Josh Sharma, who actually spurned the UCLA team to play with Team Fredette. Um, Fredette, as predicted, looks loaded. Uh, again, I, I stand by what I said before, that these are the top three teams uh, in that regional and maybe three of the top ten in the entire tournament. Um, we didn't see a whole lot of additions at the bottom half of the, that bracket out there between the City Team Blazers, the Utah Stallions or Team Utah. But nevertheless, those teams look like they're going to be very good. The one inactive that we know about right now is from the Utah uh, Stallions, which is Tyler Rawson, which is a power forward. But as I was looking at their roster last night, they're one of the few teams I think that could sustain losing a 6'10 guy and actually be okay. They have another guy that's 6'11", Jordan Stone, and a 7-footer, Jaleel Roberts, who they picked up as well. So it doesn't look like too much has changed out there. Josh, anything that you heard just now that makes you change your opinion of what's going on there at South uh, in Salt Lake. No, no, sorry. Dave. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think, um, Everline, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's kind of normal now, but what's crazy when you think about it, I mean, they added Orlando Johnson who has some NBA experience on his resume. Um, and that just is another one in between Michael, Ma- uh, James, Michael McAdoo and Donald Sloan. And, um, it, it's crazy that Everline can just add these guys with ease now that, um, you know, they made that run and, with the job that uh, Matt Mitchell and Jacob Hirschman have done recruiting for that team, if you take into account where they started to where they are now. But um, no, Dan, I think those are the three top teams. Um, I, you wonder with, I think there's a fine line between being deep and too deep. Uh, I wonder if Fredette might be a little bit too deep. I mean, they, they're going to carry what? 15 on the roster. Uh, Um. and no matter how much buys in, when guys are giving up a weekend of their summer to play, there's going to be a little bit of pressure to work everyone into the lineup and get them solid minutes. And maybe I'm totally wrong, but that's just the, the gut impression I get. And I think 14 or 15 is a little bit too much. Like, I think 9 to, like, 12 is right where you want to be in. Um, I still think Challenge ALS is the best team in the region. Um, and I think Eberlein and Fredette will be right there. Um but nonetheless, I think Fredette might be have two or three too many guys. All right, let's move on to the Richmond Regional. Uh, the number one seed there was the team that maybe had the biggest turnover. Uh, three guys we heard uh, late are scratches for them, John DeBartolomeo, Angelo Calario, and Alex Tyus. Uh, nevertheless, they replaced them, Jake, with three uh, players of, of competent background and, and professionalism. As we were texting last night and talking about this, though, um, it's not the most impressive ads. It's not guys like that with former NBA experience or anything like that. But they're guys essentially that um, kind of fit that overseas elite role. If you look at any of them individually, you're not going to be blown away with their um, professional backgrounds and experiences and everything like that sort. But they just are guys that know how to play basketball and win. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're veterans of the game in general. Marcus Thornton from, from William & Mary is probably on the younger side, and maybe their most impactful ad. Uh, played for Armored Athlete last year, really talented, uh, two-guard, can really shoot the ball, gives them uh, a nice added dimension on the wing um, that you can, you know, you're using him to sort of replace the, the scoring that's been lost with John DeBartolomeo, as well as Paris Horn, who's now serving as the team's uh, GM and one of their assistants. But yeah, it's you kind of, you brought up this point last night. You know, a lot of these guys, they're not, as individuals, the most uh, decorated uh, outside of the TBT world. They've bounced around international competition. They've played in some countries they probably didn't want to play in. 
Um, but at the same time, it's about having having depth. They needed guys to replace the losses to Bartolomeo, Calario, as well as Tyus. Um, Jamar Sanders has been around the block. Dominique Archie's playing at a high level overseas. Um, those guys will certainly fill roles for them. At the end of the day, you know, that team will go as far as DJ Kennedy uh, can take them. And Pargo will have to step up into a bigger role. DeAndre Kane, I think, will have to take on a bit of a more of a scoring role uh, than he has in the past. Uh, it's kind of been more of a defensive Swiss Army knife. Let me put up like six and eight a game, one of those types of guys. But you'll need more of those two. And I, I think the, the real X factor of that team is going to be, you know, Bobby Brown. How much does Bobby Brown give you uh, in this case? Because those guys will, those three ads will come in and they'll, and they'll step up and they'll, they'll be you know, add, added uh, valuable ads. But at the same time, they need, they're still going to need uh, someone scoring to replicate, you know, what they lost in McCollum and Fogg. And, and, but it's going to fall on Bobby Brown at this point, you know, given the way that roster has shaken up. So the guys they added are, are solid players. I don't know if they're the most impactful ones or, you know, lead, lead them to be, you know, the clear-cut favorites like they have been in the past. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, it's still a very solid team. They've been down this road before. They know what it takes to win it all. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see how they fit these new guys into the system. Yeah, the thing that strikes me about the three players they added is that they kind of fit the mold. Uh, and by the way, they added Dominique Archie. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Dominique Archie, Jamar Sanders, and Marcus Thornton late. The thing that strikes me about those three is that they all fit the overseas elite mold, is that even if you played at a big-time program like uh, Kyle Fogg might have, or if you have... Um, Oh, I just got uh, guys. As we're recording this, I just got a text from GM Paris Horn. Marcus Thornton won't be able to play with them. So scratch Marcus Thornton from that list. The two ads that they had were Dominique Archie and Jamar Sanders. Um, but nevertheless, the thing that strikes me is that th- these are guys that nothing has come easy for in their career. Kyle Fogg was a defensive player, had to basically develop on offense to become the player that he was. Same thing with McCollum coming out of Goshen College. So, you know, I, I like the ads. I think that they're going to be su- successful for them. I think that they have a culture led by uh, DJ Kennedy and uh, Justin Burrell and, and um, Paris Horn that is one that can adapt uh, people very easily. Um, Ram Nation uh, had a late scratch of Javante Green. Um, you know, I think that they're still in really good shape. I, I still really like that team. Um, the Green Machine the uh, George Mason alumni team had a late ad last night. Uh, Jake, what was the player name that they had for that? Chris Braswell, who played recall? in Charlotte. He'll be replacing Eric Copes, uh, who's dealing with a family emergency this weekend. All right. Best Virginia uh, added a couple of guys late. They added uh, Tavon Myers and Elijah Macon. Um, that is to replace Tariq Phillip and Joe Alexander, which are two losses for them. I don't think, Jake, that's going to change your thoughts on this team too much, though, huh? No, I think that team is still really well-rounded. I mean, granted, those two guys have, you know, uh, great reputations uh, as pro basketball players, very successful in, you know, the careers they've carved out for themselves. Um, but I still love how that team has kind of put themselves together. They're barnstorming tour of West Virginia. They've been practicing at the facility for weeks. Um, Coach Huggins has kind of welcomed them back with open arms. At, at the end of the day, that's one of those teams that's still 10 or 11 strong. Um, so death will not be an issue. They've, they're loaded at the front court. They've got shot makers in the back court. Um, and they're going to be big, too. I, I looked at their starting lineup last night on, on Twitter. They unveiled it after one of their, their open practices. They're going to go Deshaun Butler, uh, Kevin Jones, and Devin Williams as their three through five. That is a big, big unit there. Uh, and that's going to be tough to handle you know, for any team, um, you know, let alone their first-round matchup in, in seven-city royalty. So if, if they have Joe Alexander that's kind of you know, icing on the cake, Elijah Macon is, is good depth for that team. Uh, as is Tavon Myers, gives them another guard that, you know, can handle and shoot the ball a little bit. Uh, but but that team is still, you know, very talented and very, very big and will be 
uh, a serious matchup issue uh, across the board uh, for any team that ends up running into them, provided they get out of that first round matchup. Yeah, that's actually a really great point, because when you look at that Seven City Royalty roster, there's really nobody over 6'8 on that roster. So that could be a really interesting matchup between smalls and bigs. Um, Seven City Royalty, speaking of them, lost Brandon Stith uh, to a conflict uh, overseas. They brought in J.J. Douglas, uh, who's a former Old Dominion player. They also brought in uh, Keon Carter to replace him. Uh, So there's a bit of a change on that roster. Um, For the Webb, the Richmond alumni team, they lost uh, Deontay Garrett, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Darius Garrett. I, Darius Garrett. Sorry, they lost Darius Garrett, which is a sizable loss for them, one of their bigs. But they do have two other guys uh, that could potentially fill those uh, those big roles, and TJ Klein and Justin Harper. So they're going to roll with eight. Uh, DRC had a late ad. At one point, it looked like they were going to add a guy with a significant NBA reputation. They ended up not being able to get him, but they did add Jackson Trap. Marcus Roper looks like he's out for them, and the Hilltop Dogs uh, added a couple of new guys uh, late last night. Um, but again, they still have their work cut out for them in Richmond against the number one seed overseas elite. Um, guys, let's move on to Syracuse. Up in Syracuse, the, I think the story up there is probably the two top seeds uh, and Gale Nation. I'll add that one in there as well. Uh, Bayheim's Army late brought in both Andrew White III and B.J. Johnson. Uh, Michael Gabinji had been a post-June 1 ad for them as well, but that team looks loaded. I think those two ads, uh, Jake or, or Josh, let's start with you, uh, Josh, that those two ads of White and Johnson and, and Gabinji really look like a, a great addition for them. Yeah, they're kind of, um, which I'm sure we'll get into, it seems like they're kind of in kind of like an arms race with the number two seed in that region. I mean, both of those teams are really loading up that number two seed's armored athlete. Um, and I've, a lot of people were talking about with Bayheim's army, how, um, they were missing a lot of that depth. And of course, if anyone's watched Bayheim's army and, and seen the job that GM Kevin Belby's done, uh, you knew they weren't going to show up with eight guys. Um, so they bring in Andrew White and Michael Gabinji, like you talked about. Uh, and then BJ Johnson was the latest ad. Um, and, and he brings a really good, uh resume he started his career at Syracuse ended up going to LaSalle where he was a really that's kind of where he ended up shining um is down in Philly at LaSalle averaged like 18 points a game his final two years there um and has had a really awesome like really high um prestigious professional career uh, and he's coming back to Bayheim's army so um it sounds like um, Chris McCullough, his status will be kind of unknown because he's playing in the playoffs in the Philippines. So um, it kind of depends on when his team ends up getting bounced. I saw they just won a game, so that's going to at least delay him a few days. So um, with not knowing McCullough's status, um, especially to be able to bring in Kabinji to um, hopefully fill a little bit of that role and then kind of re-up their guard play with Andrew White and B.J. Johnson to give Eric Devendorf a a little bit of a rest so he doesn't have to play um, quite as much time as he's used to playing. Uh, then uh, And also throw Jordan Crawford in there too, who's not the youngest. He still has it, but not the youngest. So to bring in two younger guards to kind of help back them up um, and bring a little bit more scoring, um, I think they did exactly what they had to do in this month in between June 1 and games, more like a month and a half. I thought uh, Kevin Belby, as usual, did an awesome job with that team. Absolutely. Late ads for Armored Athlete are Isaac Haas, Archie Goodwin, who spurned the Kentucky alumni team to play with Armored Athlete, a really good player there, and Arnett Moultrie. So Armored Athlete just uh, reloaded. Uh, significant scratch, significant inactives for Team Brotherly Love. 
Uh, Jason Thompson will not be playing this weekend for Team Brotherly Love, and nor will Rodney Green. Uh, they've brought in a couple of guys to replace them, but obviously very imp- almost impossible for a guy of Jason Thompson's size, talent, and skill uh, to be replaced. Uh, nothing significant going on with uh, Team Fancy. Well, T- Greg Whitt- Whittington is a very good power forward that they brought in uh, for Team Fancy. But Gale Nation, their opponent at the five, um, added two, I think, well, three really good players last night. Uh, A.J. English uh, is one of them. Kidar Edwards uh, is the third. And Jake, help me out on the third, on the second, on the third player that uh, Gale Nation added last night. Right at the deadline at about 11.55, they added Obina Oleka, who played at Arizona State. Yeah, so, I mean, three potential starters were added to the roster for that um, Gale Nation team. I think that's going to be a really awesome... I mean, all the 4-5s have been great, but that 4-5 in particular is going to be great. Um, for Jimmy V, uh, they added a Chaz Williams, a, a 5-8 point guard from UMass, really dynamic player. Uh, CJ Geddes, a center, was added late. Dominique Archie uh, was on that, rumored to be with them, but actually lined up with another team. Uh, well, we thought he lined up late, but he did not. Um, team Dratty, which is the Manhattan alumni team, didn't have any significant adds to their roster. In fact, no changeover from what we've heard. And uh, D3 added a player, uh, actually a twin brother of Malcolm Depeche, Mark Markish Delpeche, they added uh, late last night as well. So that runs through the additions that we have up there in Syracuse. Um, anything that changes your opinion up there, uh, Jake? I think it still comes down to Beheim's Army and Armored Athlete. I, I think if Beheim's Army can get Chris McCullough back from the Philippines in time, and that will be decided tomorrow uh, if they get him at all that weekend, um, then I, I think that team is still the one that has to be the favorite. I think B.J. Johnson is a, a great ad is insurance you know, for Chris McCullough, let alone just having him on the team in general. A really talented scorer can play multiple positions, especially in CBT, which tends to be a bit of a smaller competition. He could, he could slide anywhere between the two and the four. Andrew White gives him another proven score. I mean, that team added multiple guys that can just get buckets for them, which is something they have not had in previous years. Jordan Crawford um, is a dog, is a scorer, really tough shot maker. Gives them a, a late-game takeover guy. Andrew White and B.J. Johnson sort of fall in, into that mix as well. And if you can somehow get Chris McCullough back um, you know, on Saturday or Sunday if he can't make it for that first game, uh, and that, that team is, is the strongest that they've ever been um, in their time in CBT. At, at the same time, I mean, Armored Athlete just continues to, to blow me away with the kinds of names they had. They bring in Archie Goodwin, who spurned the Kentucky team to go play for, for AA, which I think shows you, um, you know, how someone like that views that team as a, a legitimate contender for the $2 million. Arnett Moultrie is another first-round pick. Isaac Haas is obviously a load at 7'3". Um, and John Robertson from from Matadors. It, it, I think at the end of the day, you know, as Josh mentioned, it was an arms race between these two guys. I, I sort of almost tend to agree with Josh that once you start getting up into the high, you know, the mid-teens, that um, there is a thing of as having too much depth. And I think it's hard to develop rotations um, and really get those guys comfortable playing enough time and, and finding a rhythm. Now, it does help in, in, in the sense that you have fresh legs, but I think it's tough to find the right lineups and the right matchups um, to really uh, be as, as effective as possible once you start reaching that 15, 16 number. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I, I think it's setting up for, for a matchup between those two teams uh, on Sunday. And if it does, that's going to be a good one, and people will need to make sure to tune in the ESPN and check that one out. Okay, the last regional to discuss is the Wichita Regional. That'll tip off on Thursday, July 25th on ESPN. Uh, let's go with some inactives first on the Golden Eagles alumni team. We've got Jamil Wilson, Juan Anderson, and Jarrell McNeil all out. Andrew Rousey and Simeon Bowers obviously are late ads for them. 
uh, that Golden Eagles team should nevertheless still have a great roster for that uh, regional there in Wichita. For the Aftershocks, uh, we don't have any late ads for them. Uh, we do have a, one scratch. Malcolm Armstead uh, will not be playing for them. Uh, with the self-made team, we have Nadir Tharp is going to dress for the self-made team, which will be a big change. For Colorado, we've got four guys added late for them. Xavier Johnson, Tory Miller, Dominique Collier, and Calvin Williams are all going to play for Team Colorado. Carlin Brown is out. Uh, for the purple and black, they have Javon Thomas as a late ad, Stephen Hurt, as well as Shane Southwell, who may actually convert himself over from head coach uh, into a forward for that team. We'll have to see. That'll probably be a game-time call for them. Sideline Cancer is going to be missing Kevin Olakaibe uh, due to a family issue. Uh, the Fort Wayne, the eight seed, sorry, the Fort Hood Wounded Warriors are going to be missing Marcus. I'm sorry, they're not going to be missing anybody from what I understand. Uh, they should have a full roster there. But the biggest change is probably for Iowa United where they've brought in two new players, Melson Basabe and Josh, Matt Gatons, who I know is a player that you're very excited about. I think Iowa United is going to challenge this aftershock team. Um, you know, Matt Gatons is a, a very well-regarded player, one of the best um players that, that's kind of gone through that Iowa program. He's a, a 1,400 or 1,500-point scorer. He's one of the top shot blockers in, in Iowa history. Um, I believe he's one of the top, top 10 rebounders. I think he was number six when I checked. Uh, don't quote me on that, but he's very high up there in that list. And um, you look at some of the guys they've brought in, and I know the Iowa State team has had some issues, but this is far from that um, with guys from Iowa, Drake, and Iowa State. Um, I, I really think that they're going to challenge the aftershocks. And, um, you know, I think, I think ultimately that home crowd puts the aftershocks over the edge, especially with bringing in Clay Anthony early late. Um, that was a huge addition for them. I think the aftershocks still get the job done, but, um, I think that might be honestly the game to watch, um, in Wichita, not only for the atmosphere, but because I think Iowa United could really, really challenge this aftershocks team. And um, it, to be frank, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they won that game. Yeah, Iowa United's GM, Matt Crawford, I know has a long-term plan for that team. But honestly, straight out of the gate in the short term, he's really put together a really great roster. And Matt Gatons could be a huge difference maker for them. So that 2-7 matchup really will be one to watch. So the Wichita Regional, and in fact, Wichita Regional is going to lead off our TV coverage this weekend on Thursday evening on ESPN. That's something to look out for. You're going to have the number two-seeded Aftershocks against the number seven-seeded Iowa United and that evening on ESPN, before that game, you're actually going to have the Kansas alumni team self-made against Sideline Cancer. Self-made is the three seed. Sideline Cancer is the six. That game will tip off at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, followed up, of course, by that 2-7 matchup also on ESPN between the Aftershocks and Iowa United. Guys, it's going to be a huge weekend for TBT. Four regionals taking place this weekend in Wichita, Salt Lake City, Richmond, Virginia, and of course, Syracuse, New York. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you all are too. Josh and Jake, thank you so much for your time. And for anyone listening, thank you for listening to the TBT podcast. We'll be back again soon.